all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and they you've got to get them off welfare. Hi, welcome to Cars and Comrades, your favorite socialist car podcast. My name is Bryant. We've got the full crew here today, Brandon, Connor, and Zach. And we also have a special guest, JT from Second Thought, First Thought, uh, and the Deprogram podcast. Uh, did I miss anything there, JT? I don't think so. I think that's all I'm doing. <laughs> I hope that's all I'm doing because otherwise I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> All um, I'm doing is, is numerous podcasts. That's yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm notoriously forgetful. Like the, the number of times I've just not done something that I needed to do is frankly alarming. So it, it oh, would you're not in good be... company here. Yeah, <laughs> right there with you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, ask me about editing this podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> ask me if I tighten that fucking bolt down. <laughs> Ask me how badly I damaged a CNC lathe last week. Oh, God. oh shit! <laughs> Project lathe update. Oh. God, it took me four days to fix everything. Jeez. <laughs> well, uh, this week we're gonna have some news stories, mostly to do with uh, the UAW and um, Elon Musk's latest shenanigans, but uh, some other more. Po- you know, less frustrating uh, news stories in there too. But uh, as usual, we'll start off with some project car updates. And uh, as the guest, JT, I think you should go first and tell us about what what some of your vehicles are. Sure, yeah. Um, well, I'll do the, the thing I was requested to do and then immediately forgot to do, which is introduce myself properly. Um, <laughs> so I'm JT. I run, as was previously mentioned, First Thought, Second Thought, and the Deprogram. Um, my main thing is, is second thought. It's a, you know, I call it uh, baby's first socialism. It's, it's socialism 101 um, on YouTube. Been doing that for, well, I've been running the YouTube channel for about seven years. And I've, I switched to political content right right as the pandemic was kind of starting to, to, to kick off. And I saw how terribly we were handling it as a country. I was like, I should use this platform for something useful and start teaching people about about this kind of stuff. Um, so I was like, all right, if this, uh, I'm going to make one video about socialism. If it works, great. If it doesn't, I'll go back to Best Buy. <laughs> and thankfully, it worked. And the rest is history. I started a, uh, I started a podcast called the Deprogram with Hakeem and Ugopnik, two other YouTubers. We've been running that for a couple of years now. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And yeah. uh, first thought is our is our new news show where we do we were doing three times weekly news uh, but we've switched that now to, to two times weekly and one kind of evergreen analysis piece uh, on Fridays so we've got a, we got a lot of stuff on our plate but uh, we would like to say that we've got something for everybody if you're brand new to this kind of socialism stuff check out second thought if you just want the news first thought and if you need to decompress and, and laugh about how cringe people are, then a uh, deprogram is is for you. So that's me in a nutshell. Um, I also used to run a car show with Joseph from Real Life Lore. Uh, I didn't know that. 
Yeah. yeah I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, it was small. We never really got it off the ground. It was it was mostly just because we both enjoyed cars. Um, I mean, I wouldn't argue that we've ever really gotten off the ground either. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the story of everything we do? But yeah, it's uh, that we shut that down, I don't know, 2018, 2019, something like that, just because it was, you know, we weren't making any money off it and it was expensive to, to get, a help, get a hold of cars and test them. But yeah, so as far as cars go, I currently drive and I have been for, geez, eight years now, um, a uh, five speed base model focus hatch. Okay. Which I love. Oh, it's nice. a great, it's a great little car. Yeah. I, I lusted over the RS. Uh, for quite some time, it's you know too expensive for what it is. Obviously, the ST is the better buy, and you can you can get it close to RS performance with not much work. But um, agreed. Yeah, I was just a, I was a sucker for the for how mean the the RS looked. But I like I my little SE. Mm-hmm. I think the RS has had uh, they had like glass transmissions. Like I heard yeah, there were some they serious had, issues. They had what yeah. was it? Some kind of head gasket problem that would, that would always blow up, um, which was which was a you know a bit of a problem. Um, for a forty thousand dollar hatchback, but no kidding. Yeah, as a so, Subaru driver, I can't relate at all. Yeah. <laughs> I know nothing about those problems. Um, but yeah, my my first car was a uh, Datsun two eighty ZX. Um, oh, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was your first car. Yeah, piece of that's, shit. I mean, it was sick. it was on its last leg when I bought it. I worked at like quality assurance at a software company for for a summer and bought it for twenty three hundred bucks, and. I that thing limped home, <laughs> it was, but I loved it. You know, it was my first car. I was I was eighteen, and I I, I just really wanted it. And against really everyone, wanted to make a big financial mistake. <laughs> yeah. I can relate. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and funnily, you know, luckily I um I had a buddy who wanted it even more than I did. So I drove it for a summer, and then I went off, and then I went off to college and sold it to him for more than I bought it for. So you know, <laughs> it ended nice. up not being a financial disaster. But yeah, my current project and one that i've dreamed of for a very long time i've always been a volvo guy um a lot of people will will say why because i would yeah (laughs) i'm sorry i can't help it like there's no there's no rationalizing why anyone would be a volvo guy really um I just like Listen, how they you learn about what cars I've got. You're gonna sympathize that like, <laughs> we all have our own tastes and they're yeah. all bad. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, that's part of the fun uh, when people are like, okay, you know, whatever, whatever you're into. But yeah, I've always really liked the really boxy cars. Um, I don't know why, but it's a it's a Volvo 1992 240 wagon in its original silver and it's in really really good shape. I had had a I had attempted this project previously. I bought a car for it was like a thousand bucks maybe, and I I I knew it had problems. I I I barely glanced at the underside and I was like, oh yeah, I'm sure it's fine, but I knew it was going to be trouble. And I but again, I was I was young and I didn't want to just wait and make a right a correct decision and find a good car. Um, so I bought Mm -hmm. it and sure enough, I get working on it and it's you know rusted to hell, poke a hole in it, and I was like, okay, this is going to the scrap heap. But that was that was the lovely blue color that uh. I kind of wish this one was, but that's all right. This one, the one that I've got now, uh, I found out in Southern California. So, you know, it was advertised as a rust-free car. And sure enough, you know, rust-free means very different things depending on where you are. But a SoCal yes. rust-free Volvo, that this thing is pristine. So I, I snapped that one up. Um, very glad that I did. Which, JT, actually, if you don't mind my asking, yeah. where where are you? Uh, where in the country are you 
uh, Stan. Yeah, I'm in DFW, uh, right between Dallas and Fort Worth. Okay, there's still clean cars there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there are plenty, and just for you're whatever in, reason, yeah, you're in that part of the country where rust free is rust free. So. Yeah, at least you know, <laughs> at least for the most part. But you know, we, we had a whole conversation about this a few episodes ago. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I live in the part of the country where rust free means it's not structurally risky to <laughs> <Yeah>. drive this. <laughs> I used to live in I used to live in Connecticut, so I, I feel your pain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a real clean car. Interior definitely needs some work. It's missing a center console for some reason. And uh, the previous owner's child wrote on the headliner. But other than that, <laughs> the car is in great shape, uh, real clean. But we're basically, I mean, besides the interior, we it's almost nothing on the car has been left untouched. Um, uh, LS2 block. Uh, oh, we wow. got, went for... Damn. Yeah. yeah Burying the lead here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I'm just excited to to get this thing where I can drive it again. Like I, the the having the power is just kind of the cherry on top. I'm just a sucker for Volvos, but um, yeah, Tremec T56 six speed, uh, Ford eight point eight axle. I've got the one of the sport suspension kits from IPD. Um, which that is, is a respectable drivetrain. Hell yeah. yeah! Yeah, this thing is I, fucking sick. Dude. I wanted to do it right. Like if I, I after my last disaster, I'm like, man, I'm not going to do this for a third time. I'm not going to buy a lemon <laughs> and then pretend that I can make something out of this. But so yeah, it's um, it's it's been a it's been a long process. I'm working with a speed a local speed shop here, and he's a great guy, and they do really good work. But it's man, it's it's been a year over a year now that we've been working on it. But yeah, it's we're getting close. Uh, all that's left is really to the, the engine's in. We just got to button it up, and then there's some little structural gremlins that need fixing. Like there's a floppy door handle, and you know little things like that. But yeah, we went. We decided to go 17-inch wheels up from the little Mario Kart button wheels that came on the <laughs> the stock 92 wagons, which were 14s. And I've got two. Went with two Borla Pro XS mufflers underneath. I wanted it to be like not obnoxious. I wanted to, my idea for this was not to make it a fighter jet, but to have it be a long range bomber. Like if I wanted to take it on a road trip, I wouldn't be driven insane by the drone or anything like that. Um, but yeah, that's about it in a nutshell. We'll fix up the interior at some point, but I'm hoping by, by Christmas, this thing will be, be on the road. Nice. I have a singular question about what you described and uh-huh. it's not a criticism, just curiosity. What made you choose the eight, eight instead of like a nine inch? That isn't beyond my pay grade. I do not know. Okay. Uh, I don't know why he opted for that one, but he's, you know. Uh, 8.8s <laughs> are respectable. I have friends who run in the, the high 9s or 10s on mm-hmm. 8.8s and like in the quarter mile and, and they do fine. Just mm. the 9-inch the to me is, is the more obvious choice because I'm an old man who still thinks that you can just find them. Yeah. If I remember correctly, he was saying he was working with a dude at... It wasn't IPD. Oh, what's the dude's name? He, special, he only does Volvo stuff and I think that's what he likes to do. Um, so they worked on that and that and a few other bits for the for the suspension um but yeah yeah fair enough yeah i got i got no criticisms of the 88 i've almost run them before hmm. is that I know the actual out of the, uh sorry what i was gonna say i, I know very little about the 88 i just i chose the nine inch myself for uh, my camaro so mm-hmm. um so i know that's the legendary one yeah or the more legendary one uh, a, a nine inch is nearly or is it like basically indestructible and the 8.8 is slightly less indestructible. Like <laughs> it's yeah. still a pretty stout rear end. It's yeah. just, um, I see them more, uh, in performance builds now than you used to. Now that like the nine inch isn't just littered in every junkyard, but mm. 
I would say that's probably the most likely reason to go with an eight, eight, honestly, is just availability. availability. Yeah. Yeah. The nine inch is not as common as it once was. And eight, eights are, they came in everything. They're in like oh, wait, explorers um, and Rangers. It, it's, it's not one of the, uh, IRS eight, eights, is it? It's, it's a, oh. a solid axle. Yeah. Solid. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. It's, yeah, it's like the one that was in an Explorer. Is that the eight, eight? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because you can get those with a posi and disc brakes, I think, right? Yep. Yeah. Th- th- there were some that just like right out of the junkyard are, are, are posi rears with, with discs. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good choice. I uh, I heard about this uh, project that when you did a, um AMA on Hexbear. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I should contact JT and see if he wants to be on our show. Um, I'll, uh, I'll spare you the struggle session on a uh, vegan diet though. I don't think we'll get into that. <laughs> every time, <laughs> every time somebody like, I, you know, I, 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 I am completely sympathetic to like the arguments for, for veganism and stuff. But every time it was such a pleasant experience, the hex bear, I've done two of the AMAs now. And both times somebody asks a, a perfectly innocuous question about veganism. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. Um, personally, not a vegan, uh, but you know, more power to you. I think we do need to move that direction. And I just get blasted both times. That happens. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a picky boy. I like my chicken nuggets. <laughs> I, I just celebrated 20 years of being vegan. Wow. Uh, in 20 August. years. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. One of my buddies is uh, is a vegan. He has been for you know five or six years now, and he keeps uh, keeps me up to date on when the consistency of the various uh, meat substitutes are are up to a picky palate's uh, approval. So I'm gonna <laughs> I always try the new ones he's got for me. I, I love hiding that I'm vegan from new people who don't know me because my favorite response so far was I had a job for about six months before anyone found out I was vegan. Uh-huh. And one person literally responded with, you look like you eat raw meat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, thanks. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is, is that a compliment? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I've, I've been told I don't look like what the stereotype of a vegan would look like. Mm, yeah. Well, uh, before before we jump off, JT, I, I just want to know a little bit more about the motor, what you can tell us, LS2 block, do you have any modifications to it, what are your power goals looking like, uh, things like that, because i got to know. Yeah, I've got, actually, I've got all the, let's see, I've got the whole parts list here somewhere. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> we love a parts list. Yeah, let's see. Uh Speed engineering headers, Griffin radiator, dual spout fans with shroud. We got the LS3 Camaro accessory drive. We got the Holly EFI control system. Ooh. I was going to ask about the ECU, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to opt for that one. It looked better. I Like, again, I I don't want to cheap out on, on this because I want to keep this thing forever because I just love, love, love Volvos. So we're trying to do it as, as best as as best we can without breaking the bank. Um, let's see what else we got here. 3.73 gears, limited slip unit, disc brakes, uh, BNE control arms, drop springs and shocks. That was the BNE was the was the dude who does the Volvo stuff. Dormant intake manifolds, dormant throttle bodies, Russell full flow hose ends, Russell push on, push on EFI fittings. Lots of stuff here. Uh, Spectre performance air intake. Stainless works, universal exhaust stuff, a bunch of Summit stuff. Um, stainless, yes, you know, stainless yeah. steel fuel and brake hard lines, uh, aluminum fan shrouds, uh, universal rod builder exhaust kits, tanks, ink, adjustable fuel pressure regulators. A lot of these are just like hose ends and fittings and stuff. Just skimming. 
Wal Walbro high pressure inline fuel pumps. Nice. Yeah. Uh, mounting stuff, alternator stuff. I think JT belongs on this show more than I do. <laughs> I don't know what most of these things do, honestly. Uh, you got the Borla's I already mentioned. Yeah. You put a big, uh, a big nasty cam in there or nah? Not too radical. It is a performance cam, but I, I wanted this thing to be a daily driver more than anything. Um, I don't think we even specified what the cam was in here. I mean, with an LS, it's really easy to make 400 horsepower without even really a new cam, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. And what I said was like, yeah, keep sure. it to 500, like right around 500. I don't, <laughs> you know, I want my wife to, to be able to drive it, and you know, I want to teach my daughter how to drive it eventually <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, so I thought, you know, if I can, if I can keep up with your average must Mustang or Camaro or BMW on the road, I'm happy. That's like I don't need a drag monster. But um, yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much the gist of it. Like. Plenty of other bolts and stuff, but that's not terribly interesting. Nice. I mean, it could be. Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested. I, I'm a super nerd, though, so I, I want to know, like, <laughs> oh, did you use ARP fasteners? Which which model <laughs> yeah. ARP fasteners did you use? I'm actually on board with Zach, but we are limited on time. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> You'll have to go into that. I, I just uh, I'll send you screenshots. <laughs> please, please do. I appreciate that. Uh, I was curious, do you happen to know what the LS came out of? Oh, what did he say it came out of? Let me see. Let me go back in my text message real quick and search. Um, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't know. So go ahead and keep talking while I dig. Okay. LS2, I think they had that in the GTOs. Or no, 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 no. That's a 660. Or no, no, no. Yeah, that's it's it a 60, 60. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think they also came in the Chevy Express vans, too. Yeah, you, you can get a, uh, well, were they really? the solid aluminum blocks? You the, could definitely find six liters in express vans, but I don't know. I think like the specifics. Like, yeah, I, I know, I know general like what LS. Like, I'm I'm kind of dumb in this respect, but like, I'm dumb. Anything after LS one, I stopped giving a shit. Which is like, I mean, they're cool and great, but like, I just I don't own any of those cars, so I don't know. In terms of like what specific block and heads and all that was in what vehicle and like, like. Like what the LS is, it's a true like all aluminum block. But then if it was the iron block, it was actually like what the LT or the LQ or something mm. like. I think it was LQ yeah. or something. Yeah. That's like really the truck just... motor. Yeah. yeah, and that's so the, that's originally what I was looking at. I was looking at an LQ nine back when I first started. Like I'll just get something you know heavy, cheap, powerful ish, and then I was like, eh, and I just go go aluminum, save the weight. Yeah. So this is a yeah. full. It's aluminum. good to save the weight. The LQs. Sorry, the LQs are like what people go for when they're doing right. Yeah, and I knew that's not what so, I wanted. Yeah. It's like, why would I? Why would I? You know, shoot myself in the foot if I'm not going to be making a ton of power. Yeah, I mean, for funsies. Yeah, true. Zach, what were you saying? Oh, so yeah, I I know even less than y'all about LSs. So the LS2 that is a full aluminum block, aluminum heads motor. Yeah, as far as I know. Okay, cool. They were they were all aluminum head. Um. I think, yeah, like we just said, the, the LS is an aluminum block, mm -hmm. and then the others are iron blocks. Okay, because, yeah, I, I've heard someone refer to a, an iron block LS before, but I guess that's just an LQ. Yeah, right? it's like that's not something like that. Same yeah. architecture. Got LQs, LYs, block. yeah, they've got a whole family that's like most of the, the iron blocks are in trucks and stuff and just right, different yeah. nomenclature, but they're all referred to as usually like LSX family. Okay. Hmm. 
Yeah, and like I don't genuinely know the difference between the LS one, two, three. No. Okay. Um, well, uh, should we move on to to Brandon's uh, project car updates? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm pretty sparse this week, especially since uh, our last recording was pretty recent. Uh, the oh yeah, we're we're reintroducing the projects because not everybody always knows what we're talking about, and JT definitely doesn't know yeah. all what we're talking about. <laughs> um, I have a 1967 Cutlass Supreme that has nice. been kind of my daily driver lately. It's as as someone who's very ADD, like my my focus shifts uh, pretty heavily. But lately, I've been focusing mostly on the car, mm. and uh, I've got a 455 with a turbo 400 that I'm getting ready to drop into it whenever I can get around to it. Nice. Uh, right now, it's a 403 and just a, an absolute dog shit turbo 250 transmission, which <laughs> is a thing I didn't know existed until I accidentally put one in. <laughs> true, true story, man. I, I I thought I had a turbo 350 because it looked identical. Wow. Yeah. And then I like bought a, a shift kit for it. And the shift kit was like, make sure that you have the right shift kit for this transmission and you don't accidentally have a turbo 250. And I'm like, what am I an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> and Alas. it's like, if you have this one thing, it's the only way to tell the difference. And I look and I do have it. And I'm like, well, fuck. And I, I just have wrecked shit on that transmission. That I can't even do burnouts anymore. Oh, well, I mean, I, I can, I can break the tires free, like off the line, but like, I can't put the brakes in and do a burnout. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a tragedy. Um, mm. but my steering's been fucked up. Uh, I just had to replace a hose and the hard part was finding the correct hose because apparently not all of the A bodies that year had the same hose, even though they all had like the same pumps and steering. That's bizarre. Why? Uh, it's, um, like the Chevelle and the, the Buicks were a male fitting on either end and the olds ran a male fitting on one end and a female fitting on the other. Huh. Um, as far as I can tell, the only difference, I, I bought a, a, a line for a Chevelle thinking it would fit, and I probably could have grabbed an adapter and ran it, but yeah, hoses are 10 bucks. I just bought the right one. Yeah. Fucking Oldsmobile got to be different. <laughs> God, right? <laughs> um, and, uh, oh yeah, I, I, I busted my lights all up, so I, I, I fixed the, uh, I just accidentally broke the high beam switch and then melted the uh, connector because I decided it would be a good idea to just grab random scraps of wire and make a jumper wire for it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, in, in, in all fairness, if, you know, it's dark and you're trying to get home, that is the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't think I would melt the, the plastic in half, half a mile drive. Um, <laughs> my Ford still does not run. That is a 1974 Ford E100 van. Mm. Um, so that's why I say, like, you know, when I can't judge you for liking a Volvo, no. I'm, I'm a I'm a van guy. I have I haven't counted recently. I think I'm still at eight vehicles that I own that aren't uh -huh. motorcycles, and one of them's not a van. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Consistency. Yeah, my I uh I got a she a '75 Chevy van with a, a 327 350 mm. combo that runs great. But the last time I went to try and start it, the uh like I have an electric fuel pump on it and it wouldn't prime. Uh -huh. And it's a really simple, common problem. I just have it. like, sometimes you can literally just pour gas down into the line yeah. and reconnect it to the carb and that will prime it enough to get it going. And I just haven't gotten around to doing it because with everything else broken, getting to my shop's a pain in the ass. Uh, the Ford, I've started rebuilding the carburetor, but that's, I need to get to Harbor Freight because I'm just going to buy like a cheap ultrasonic so I can clean the, the body of it better. Cause I have decided to rebuild the one that caught fire. Um, hmm. 
this. Um, <laughs> <Bold>. it <sounds> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> everyone thinks it's an insane decision, but the the one that I bought that was like a, not even remanufactured. It's it's a, a new carburetor that would fit that model, and I just have not liked how finicky it is. I haven't liked the significant drop in fuel economy that. Even though I've improved it, I still have not been able to even get it to touch what the old one got. Mm. So I, and um, when you, apparently when you buy like just some random Chinese knockoff, finding the specific rebuild kit for it is a little tricky. (laughs) When I have another one that I know was from 1974, because that's the original off the motor, I can find a rebuild kit for it in no time at all. Uh, so I've just, I took it to work, blew, cleaned it up as best I could, blew out all the passageways, cleaned it up. And, uh, yeah, I really want to clean it in an ultrasonic, but I don't know. I might just get impatient and throw it back together and see if the, the van runs. Cause mm. the best I've been able to eke out of this van with the new carburetor as is when I was really happy to get it up to 11 and a half miles to a gallon, <laughs> uh, with, with the original carburetor, which I gr- granted this still isn't amazing, but for you know, a Ford 300 That's from true. 1974. I was getting 16. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, more hi- highway, you know, dude, yeah. uh, 16 doesn't sound like a lot until you, you factor in that. That's like what a 33% increase over what I'm was currently getting. Yeah. That's a big jump. Yeah. I'll take that. Um, I have word less about fuel economy now that I can drum roll, please ride my bike to work every day. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Here it is. On the downside, I've had to ride my bike to work every day for two weeks. Yeah. 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 It's getting um, cold out there. And just, just, uh, things I haven't touched in a while, but they're, they're still out there. Like, uh, my, my like I said, my 75, I just got to probably prime the fuel system. It needs a ton of body work, but it runs so good. Mm. Um, I got a 1965 Chevy van, which is my my flat front. That is my baby. That is the thing that got me into working on cars like a lot later in life. It needs nice. a lot of body work, but also like has a motor and transmission that run great. I got pretty decent fuel economy out of that for what it was and made good power. I got a new 12 bolt rear. Well, not new, but I got a 12 bolt rear end with like good gears, posi unit and everything to put in it. And uh, I just uh, it's. I haven't had a lot of time to go out there and work on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, my other like super cool project, which uh, I don't know when I'll even get time to ship it to my house because it's at my friend's house uh, across the state, is uh, a 1965 Chevy van. Again, like one of the flat, flat front models, mm-hmm. flat front glass, like very simple. Like it's been back halved. Uh, we four linked the rear uh, coilovers. It's got a big block. We're relocating the motor so that it sits further back. Um, and I, I don't even know what my, my goals for that are anymore because everything's sort of been shifting in terms of what I want. Originally I wanted 800 horsepower at the wheel. Mm. Uh, then I realized that for a vehicle that was probably even with the big block and me in it going to weigh under 3,500 pounds, that that might, (laughs) yeah, that's a spicy van. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That I, I was, I mean, like, and, and that's all planning ahead for, like, what motor do I want in it eventually? I have a 500 horsepower 454 and uh, uh, Power Glide to put in yeah. it right now. Huh. Um, and that, that thing should be pretty spicy with, with 500 horsepower. So, yeah. Jesus. Um, I'll, I'll probably run that until it blows up and then figure something else out. I really want to cram a 632 into it eventually. But every time I think I'm, I might have enough money for that motor, the motor gets more expensive. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
And I mean, even a, a, a mild 632 is still going to be like over 800 horsepower at the crank. So mm. Mm. I probably should just go like single turbo LS and get like all it's of the fuel economy and power yeah. that I could ever want. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason <laughs> that they're so common these days, the LS swaps, because it's they're easy. They're, they're relatively inexpensive. You know, they make big power real quick. Yeah. Yeah, and like um, so because of the nature of those vans, the engine sits inside the cab with you. It's it's yeah, not even quite a full cab over because it is fully inside the cab. Like there's not really much underneath, and so like cramming a big block with headers and it's a trick on its own. So yeah. like even running something smaller like an LS would make my life a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But on, generally, if you want your life to be any easier, you don't buy one of those vans that they don't make parts <laughs> for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm supporting of the. Uh, 632 big block swap. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, if I wanted practical, I wouldn't build a drag van that's been back halved. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I was curious what 632 was in liters, just just because. It's a 10.356. <laughs> <Jesus 10.356. laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's that in gallons? Uh, <laughs> almost three gallons. How many hamburgers? <laughs> How many hamburgers is uh, that? I don't know the hamburger ratio, but I'm pretty sure that's that's about three gallons. <laughs> 15 Big Mac displacement. Yeah. <laughs> 15. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like that, yeah, th- th- Those are, are my big projects. I've got a bunch of parts vehicles and stuff like that, too. That, that mo- Most of, of the body count for my my uh, vehicle collection is just, I got a bunch of parts or vans out of a junkyard. So they're sitting around the shop. Yeah. I've I've never heard body count used that way, but (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's all of the vehicles I've killed. Okay. (laughs) I thought it was all the ones that had fucked you. (laughs) That's all. That's (laughs) That's me. I've, I've, that's what I've done. That's, that's what I do. Love it. Yep. Brian, what have you been up to? Uh, not a whole lot. I've just been driving my 2005 Saab 92X, which is mechanically identical to a same year uh, Subaru WRX, mm-hmm. one of those uh, brand engineering deals. Yep. Um, just been driving it since it's winter now. That's my daily. I, uh, let's see, I need to eventually um, replace the transmission oil. And um, I have a boost gauge that I want to install. And to do both of those, it's it's easier if I take off the intercooler and, you know, so I can get access to everything. Um, because Subaru is one of the few companies that puts a dipstick on their manual transmissions, which makes things a lot easier. Hmm. But then they put a intercooler right on top of oh, that, that so nice. you can't get to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, last time I had the intake manifold off, which... Um, I hope there's not a next time. I noticed that there is a tiny little bit of play in the turbo. And it Uh-oh. has bur- been burning a little bit of oil, like not a whole lot, but like maybe a cup every 200 miles or so. Um, so, you know, not a whole lot, but it's noticeable. Um, so I want to like, I I don't see any oil getting in the, um, in the, what's it called? Catch can or anything. So I want to, you know, see if there's any oil getting out of the turbo and into the intake manifold and the um, intercooler. So if that's all greasy, then I know I I probably need to replace the turbo pretty soon. And um, 
if that's the case, I, I wanted to ask uh, your guys's wisdom. Um, I can just replace it with the uh, the stock replacement, which is um, I forget the model number of it or whatever. That, well, that's the smart choice. Before you go on the rest, I'm probably going to advocate against it, but that is truly yeah. the smart choice. And that's probably what I will do because I don't need to modify anything else. And it would only be like a couple hundred bucks for a replacement or even less for a cool. rebuild kit. Cool. So what's the what's the option that I'm going to take? <laughs> so there's at least two. There's um, I could get the turbo off an STI, which I think is a VF39, I want to say. Mm, I like mm. that. Mm. And before I got this Sabaru, I test drove a different one that had a VF39 and it was making like 320 to the wheels, I think. Nice. Um which was pretty fun, but it's got a lot more lag. So it's got mostly, you know, top end power and less of the bottom mm -hmm. end. And I would also need to go with um, bigger injectors and possibly E85 if I wanted to get those higher numbers. And with these cars, changing the injectors is just about as difficult as replacing the turbo. So um, it would be a bit of a job. And if I want to spend even more money and cause more headaches for myself, I could get the twin scroll turbo set up. Yes, that's the one I'm advocating <laughs> right there. There it is. I, I was like, yes, that one. And that is from the Japanese market STI. And so that would have even better spool up than what I have now and better high end power. Uh, oh my God, that's the winner by a lot. Now, the dance downside with that one is got to replace the injectors. Um, I think the oil pan, I need to replace the oil pan because clearance for the headers. You should anyway. Yeah. Get, get, get a baffled oil pan yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yep. And then yep. like uh, also the down pipe. So basically the exhaust is all different. I think some of the fittings for the turbo might be different too, like for oil and uh, coolant and I'm whatnot. Sure. So I think that's the I think that's the winner to me. That's the way to go. Yeah. And it's like minimum, <laughs> I think minimum around thousand fifteen hundred dollars for the just the turbo and the manifolds. Hmm. I mean, it's doable. It is it's doable. Yeah. <laughs> that's not that bad. I was expecting more, honestly. I think that's a bargain. Yeah. I mean, then plus I'm the still less than three thousand dollars into my drag van, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've made everything. Yeah. Everything's from a junkyard swap meets or I've made it. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not. It's it's really not. Well, yeah, minus the work part. <laughs> I advocate for the twin scroll. That sounds cool as fuck. Yeah. I mean, bigger injectors, you might need a bigger fuel pump and maybe even E85. Although, honestly, I don't even think you need a E85 to make that kind of power. No, I mean, like, if I I'm if I'm going bigger injectors and I need a tune anyways, I might as well get an E85 tune. But like, there you go. There's not a lot of um, gas stations around here that have it. So might as well. Uh, that's right. Just... You're not in the Midwest. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think I don't know. I would say Colorado is the West, but some. I don't know, whatever. That's a yeah, I've never heard Colorado referred to as the Midwest. No, no, no. I said it's not the Midwest. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Sorry. I, yeah, it's not the Midwest. By me, you can get E85 anywhere. Yeah. So. I mean, we do have plenty of corn here, but not as much as, you know, Nebraska <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, so that's where I'm at on that. But, you know, it's got almost 200,000 miles. So I don't know if I want to do any crazy builds on it anytime soon. Mm. Um, I, uh, my other car is a 1986 Toyota MR2, 
Oh, nice. And so that's just been sitting in the garage for a couple months since it's been cold. I need to um, do a lot of things on it, replace three quarters of the suspension bushings and a um, couple other things here and there, and then get new. Uh, I've got wheels for it. I need to put tires on them. Uh, so get that ready for the spring. So, yeah, I mean, just whenever I have some time, I'll I'll go down in the garage and jack that up and start taking it apart. But I want to make sure that my Sabaru is in good shape before mm-hmm. I take up the garage space and can't move it, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's about where I'm at. And, um, uh, yeah, Connor, what have you been working on? Um, so what I haven't been working on is the Camaro, <laughs> uh, which... Which is the uh, very cool 97 Camaro SS 30th anniversary with the special paint package and all that stuff. Uh, it's a hunk of shit, and I fucking hate that. <laughs> Until you it said something a... earlier, I didn't realize that you had a Ford rear end in that. Oh, yeah, and it's got a four nine inch. Yeah. I, uh, I, I tried to do a launch uh, like the day I after I got the car home after buying it. And I blew up the rear end bad enough to leave pieces on the fucking street oh, no. at a friend's Jesus. house. So respect. Yeah. I'm going to do that one day. Hard as fuck. Well, so anyway, I left pieces on the fucking street and uh, I was like, well, I'm never going to break this shit again. So I put the Ford nine inch in there and blew up Which... the motor or transmission. <laughs> uh, no, blew up the motor first. Oh, okay. Blew up the transmission later. <laughs> Uh, anyway, it's an American car, and I hate it. It's a hunk of shit. <laughs> 90s GM LT1, not even the LS. So, yeah, it's a problem. Anyway, I haven't been working on it. It's been sitting at the shop. Um, I mentioned it before briefly, I think, but uh, I went to a, a car show at that shop with my, you know, my, my real car, the one I drive every day. Um, and he had it at the shop too. Cause you know, of course it's people ask about it and it's a nice looking sort of car. But then I was there and I was like, I noticed the stripes are faded. I'm like, son of a bitch. These new fucking stripes are like one or two years mm-hmm. old faded. So I'm like, okay. So the whole point I'm making here is the next week or two, I've got to call around and I got to get some update or some like updated quotes on installing the reproduction seat covers I have. Because I have these nice white leather reproduction seat covers. My seats are all torn up. So I got to get a quote on having those put in. And I'm going to ask them about possible replacing the whole, the full carpet or possibly just the carpet in the back. Because like the sun has ruined the carpet fibers real bad. It's like a fine dust of carpet. <laughs> it's bad. So I got to get some quotes on that. And I think I'm going to call around to some body shops and see what they can tell me about these stripes and possibly painting a couple of body panels. Um, a lot of this depends on how much money I want to put into the car. Uh, the goal is, as I've been saying since we started this podcast, I'd like to sell the car in the spring. <laughs> um, but I've said that every year for the last six years. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to push this time and it's going to depend on, you know, Hopefully I can get a better job in that time. Another thing I've been saying for the last six plus years. Um, but uh, work is bad. Uh, the company is feels like a sinking ship. Um, so I am trying to get a better job now. And if I have some money, uh, I will pun- 
you know, pump a bone, a bunch of it into this piece of shit car so I can sell it. Well, just remember, you're not a real car guy unless you spend a bunch of money on it so that you can sell it and then sell it at a loss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will be 100% selling this car at a loss. It's like I want it to be less of a loss, but spending more money is not a guarantee of solving yeah. that problem. Anyway, point being, haven't been working on it, but coming this week, I'm going to suck it up and start calling around and get a bunch of quotes that are going to probably upset me, but you know updates pending on that piece of shit Camaro. Hmm. Um, so as for updates on the car, I actually care about, which is my 2003 350 Z daily drift car, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, updates on that are pretty scant for the past few weeks. I haven't had to fuck around with it too much. Um, I was able to get some antifreeze in it before, you know, I had a real problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, cause I was running straight water, uh, for track requirements and whatever, but, um, it's, it's that time of year where, um, there's going to be a few more drift events at the like local skid pad. I may or may not go to them. We'll see. So I'm going to keep my, uh, my OEM wheels around for a little bit. Uh, but it is time to go put my summer wheels into the storage unit and get my winter wheels and tires. Um, so I do drive this car in the winter. Um, I wish I would, I could say it's cause I'm super cool, but it's just cause I'm too stupid to have a, a reliable daily. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I put winter tires on the drift car and, uh, drive to work. Well, since you're looking for a new um, job, just get a job that's close enough that you can like ride your bike. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. That is a good idea. Uh, I would do that if any of those existed for me. I, dude, uh, I got so lucky. I, 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 I'm going to keep making that joke, but the fact that I found a machine shop in my highly not industrialized area was was amazing. Yeah, I'm just in a situation where I'm like, Ugh, I know it's it's it, it is what it is, but yeah. So that's anyway. Winter tires going on the car. I also have to start thinking about prioritizing my projects on this um, over the winter. Um, so for next spring, you know, I've got a bunch of parts in the garage and it's like a matter of deciding what's going on when, um, I think most important is probably going to be getting the racing seat I have into the car. Cause, uh, I flop around way too much. So that's a big problem. That's going to be a whole thing because it's a knockoff seat and whatever. It's got some issues. So we'll see about that. I also have to think about, uh, pulling the trigger on getting that link ECU, uh, to better control my shit, except it's just that's a lot of money to spend. Plus, I have to retune the whole car, um, which I should mention, uh, since JT doesn't know this, uh, my car is naturally aspirated, but it is fully built motor. Mm. So, like, pistons, rods, yeah. cams, heads, all of that, totally done up. It makes a very paltry uh, 310 at the wheels. <laughs> so, not a ton, but uh, it's mostly built for taking abuse yeah um i raised the red line and all that because uh, i beat the shit out of it uh at the track so it's it's built whatever but uh right now i have some like tuning uh issues they're just minor inconveniences with how it runs um because i'm kind of pushing the limits of what the stock computer can handle yeah. so uh link ecu is uh an option for me it's just a matter of when I'm actually going to do that and when I want to spend the money on that plus another like $800 to tune. So it's like, oof, that's, that's money that, uh, again, 
I got money to spend on the Camaro, money to spend on the 350Z, and, you know, it's just, it's a lot of money. So, um, and then at some point, probably closer to the spring, I'm also going to put in the steering angle kit um, that I already have sitting in the garage, ready to go. So uh, that'll be fun, and I should spin out a lot less Mm -hmm. next year. But uh, no, no recent updates beyond that. Um, just got to plan out what projects I'm going to do over the winter and how I'm going to get them done. So that's pretty much all I got on the 350Z. So that's me. Nice. Nice. Uh, Zach, what have you been up to? Oh, not a whole lot. Um, been really debating my options on my Ford Ranger. So I have a 1993 Ford Ranger XLT. Cool. Uh, with a five and a half inch lift and 33 inch tires on it. Nice. Um, you're, you're, you're approving of this way too early. Just wait. Oh God. God. (laughs) It's not nice. It's got a blown transmission for the third time. (laughs) Uh, I rescind my statement. Yeah. It's a, it's a hunk of shit. Don't buy Ford. Um, don't buy American cars. See, this is the, this is the the thing here. Honestly. Yeah. They're, they're my, not my decision trouble. to buy Ford was purely cosmetic, and I regret it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same here. Uh, I thought it looked cool. It is not cool. It is <laughs> it is very much not cool. Um, but yeah, like I said, the transmission is blown for a third time. Um, so I blew the transmission up. Paid to have a rebuilt transmission put in it, or I, I paid for a rebuilt transmission. I put it in myself. But that was like over two grand. Uh, then my rebuilt transmission blew up. So I paid to have my rebuilt transmission rebuilt. And then it blew up. So now I'm considering rebuilding it myself. Um, because I have not found any good options in the junkyard. I made a trip out there a couple of weeks ago. A trip actually all the way down to Colorado Springs, which is about an hour south of me, uh, to find a transmission there because they had about six different cars that looked promising. Um, and I got there and they were all garbage. I ran the VIN on all of them and they were all super high mileage, um, spotty service history. And none of them were wrecked, which was really what I was looking for. I was looking for low miles and wrecked, but none of them were wrecked. So that tells me that they were in there for mechanical failure. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wrecked is good. Cause you're like, Oh, the inner parts are good, but yeah. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. Not a one of them was wrecked. So odds are it was the transmission that failed because that's the weak point. <laughs> that's what fails on all of these fucking things. That's what you're there <laughs> you know. for. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, now I'm considering just trying to rebuild it myself. I I priced a rebuild kit and it's like 600 bucks. It's not awesome. I could get a junkyard transmission for like 150. Obviously paying to have it rebuilt is like 2000, 2500, mm. somewhere in that range. So a little cheaper than paying to have it rebuilt, but a lot more expensive than just junkyard transmission. But it's a lot of work to trans- change a transmission out, and I really don't want to do it again if the transmission I get is also mm-hmm. a pile of shit. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm literally great. not saying this just to be argumentative. I, I'm, I'm specifying that because I know it's my MO. If it's got a five and a half inch lift and you got have a transmission lift, is it that hard to swap out a transmission? Oh, uh, I mean, no, that makes it a lot easier. But 
it's still just a pain in the ass to change a transmission just in general, just because, you know, that's a big job. In my experience, it just depends on if you're doing it by yourself, if you're doing it with a friend or if you're doing it with a friend and booze. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> each of those situations, I, it gets easier and easier. I've done it with a friend and booze every time, but I don't know if you guys remember one time I dropped a bolt out of it because the thing is so high. I was literally laying on the ground with like doing like a crunch. Oh, I do remember this. Oh, yeah. A crunch, reaching <laughs> as high as I could and dropped a bolt and turned away from the bolt so it didn't hit me in the face and got smacked right in the temple and like Oof. kind of had my brain reset. Yeah, you um, were concussed or something. Jeez. Yeah, like very heavily concussed. I couldn't speak. I could barely stand. Wow. I was like really messed up from it. Yeah. So bad memories from this damn transmission. Huh. And yeah, that actually makes it a little harder. The lift, like, it's pretty high up when you're on laying on the ground. Like, everything's pretty far away from you. So a lot of the time, you're kind of in a half crunch position trying to reach up as high as you can. I specified the lift because without the lift, I, I, I've swapped out transmissions by myself on something that sat at, like, normal ground clearance. Mm -hmm. And uh, the bell housing wouldn't, I couldn't get it under the rocker. I had to do like some weird, like jacking up the van and also kind of rolling it out from underneath the, uh, that was how I ended up covered in burnt transmission fluid. Yeah. For a full day. It was awful. Yeah, no, there are definitely aspects of it that make it a lot easier because it's so high, but it can make it a little more difficult to just to reach shit because it's so far from the ground. And when you're underneath it, you kind of need to be closer to the ground. Um, yeah, I don't like when being under the car is more of a core workout, like <laughs> yeah. like all day. That's not fun. I, I do not enjoy that. Yeah. Zach, um, I think you need to put a, a lift kit on your creeper, though. Yeah, yeah, that would be sweet. I would uh, I would dig that. I would make it a lot easier. <laughs> Plus, it would look cool as fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at on the Ranger. It's just kind of in limbo right now. I don't know what to do about it. Um, if I thought I could get any money out of it selling it as is, I would. But I just don't think anyone mm -hmm. wants to deal with a blown up transmission Ranger. So I'll keep keep that in my back pocket for now. Just see where we are here in a few months when it gets really nice and cold, then I'll start working on it. Uh, <laughs> that'll be great. Other than that, I've just been stacking parts for my daily driver, my 2011 Subaru WRX over the summer. I fully STI drivetrain swapped it. Uh, so it's got the full STI transmission, rear diff, axles, hubs, brakes, wheels and tires, suspension, everything steering rack all that stuff is gone into it and that was really just to beef up the transmission mainly because the wrx five speed is really fragile hmm. and the sti six speed is not so it can actually handle power and now i've been stacking parts with the goal of making between five and six hundred horsepower at the wheels nice so yeah got quite a few parts already ready to go for that um full exhaust so headers up pipe i already have the turbo back on the car uh external wastegate full fuel system uh intake fuel pump injectors you know all the all the good stuff other things that i'm forgetting now um, i think i think you should do a 
hood exit on your wastegate. I was going to say. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have heard it's miserable from everyone I've ever known who did do a hood exit. They said yeah. it was fucking awful, but like it's so cool. It is cool, <laughs> but I do kind of still want to daily drive it. Like even when it makes like five or six hundred horsepower, I kind of want to drive it on the street. And that yep. thing gets attention from the cops as it is. Yeah. So if I start blowing <laughs> planes out of the hood, I'm <laughs> fucked. Like they're gonna pull me over every time I drive. Yeah, that's that's about it on that one. I've just been stacking parts for that every once in a while. About every other paycheck, I'll buy a little thing here or there, just to get closer on that. Um, and then I have been tinkering on my 1965 Shelby Cobra project. Oh, cool. Mainly just knocking rust off of parts. Yeah, uh, it's a kit car that sat in a garage for I'm not sure how long, but many years. And um, yeah, everything has got a nice layer of surface rust on it. But mm. structurally, all really solid. Nothing's rusted through. It's all just on the surface. So just been every once in a while grinding off a little rust on that guy. Mm. But yeah, that one's gonna get a. 427 small block oh cool in it so we're gonna take a 351 windsor and bore and stroke it out to 427 cubic inch so it will be a 427 car but nice. not a big block that'll be fun nice yeah that'll be scary i think oh yeah it'll be terrifying <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah what's that car weigh like 60 pounds <laughs> yeah about <laughs> i think it's like around the 2000 pound mark like i i think 2500 is a high estimate god damn yeah it's basically a go-kart yeah dangerous enough as it is with those side pipes get burned on those yeah (laughs) oh my my ford van has side pipes nice (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah but that's about it i think that's all my projects and everything i've been working on Oh, I also do have a uh, 2013 Subaru STI that I pulled all the parts for my STI swap off of. Hmm. Uh, so <laughs> sitting in the garage. <laughs> oh, you haven't got rid of it yet. Yeah. No, okay. No. So if you're in the Denver Metro area or you are somewhere, then you need small parts that I can ship. Hit me up. I, I got tons of parts for, for Subaru. Well, cool. Um, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll come back with uh, at least however many news stories we have time for today. Sweet. Sounds good. Right. Sounds good. All right. Let's do it. All right. We're back from our break, and we're going to talk, I think, first about the recent UAW strike, because uh, this seems like a big win for the working class and uh hopefully um you know spreading to other sectors as well other manufacturers but uh connor you've been following this a little bit closer than i have and uh we have this really good write-up in labor notes to to follow along with but um what what are your takeaways from uh from this strike uh yeah so so i do have uh uh this article which i'll, I'll go through i'll probably jump around a little bit um in, in that article but the main takeaway is by the time you're hearing this, because you know how long we take to edit, uh, it's pretty late. So everybody knows the UAW strike is over, but all all the contracts have been ratified at this point uh, where, when we're recording just before, a little before Thanksgiving. Um, so all of the big three have buckled 
um, and given what seemed to be pretty good contracts. So the strike took, which I forget, um, they, I think it was about five or six weeks of a strike only. It, it was not a long uh, strike at all, actually. So all three of the um, automakers caved in, I believe, a one to one and a half week period. Um, they one, once for uh, once Ford fell, Stellantis followed pretty a few days after, and then GM was the last holdout. They lasted a few days uh, beyond Stellantis, basically. Now, what made this strike so unique was the uh, UAW recently did have a a union election. We'll go and do a deep dive on this uh, in some future episode. But the point being, it was the first time that each member had one vote for the president of their union. That hasn't happened in a very long time. There used to be a more conservative leadership in place, um, and they didn't want that to happen. So uh, that happened. The union election happened, and Sean Fain uh, won the union presidency, uh, and he's been much more of a fighter than we've seen in past presidents. Um, they tried this new strike strategy. They called it the stand-up strike. And they used a rolling strike um, strategy where they would call on individual plants to go out on strike uh, at various times. And this left the companies guessing. And by the end, they only had about a third of the... Uh, affected membership was actually out on strike. So they were able to cripple the automakers with just a fraction of their members on strike. And they just kept ramping up the pressure continuously and they'd strike plants pretty strategically. They knew which ones to go for that would, you know, have the greatest impact on the companies. Um, So they did a really good job preserving their strike fund. This strike could have gone on for months and months. Like there's no doubt about that. And, they did it in like five or six weeks and the companies caved to contracts that they said were impossible. Like they, these concessions, they're like, no, it's flat out. It's not possible. We can't do it. Blah, 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 blah. And the truth is uh, they did fucking do it. And the workers have uh, a lot more power than the you know bosses uh, pretended that they had when they went on CNBC to go bitch and moan. So, mm. <laughs> so anyway, let's uh, read a little bit here. Some of the details are, let's see. So the uh, the agreement with Ford, uh, and basically all the contracts are pretty close together. Um, so I'm just going to kind of give you the details for the Ford contract for the most part uh, and give you some details there. All three are pretty close together, which is about what we were expecting since they struck all three of the automakers at roughly the same time and the same kind of similar context. So we did expect them to all be pretty close. So the agreement includes 25% wage increases over four and a half years, uh, including uh, 11% immediately. Uh, It reinstates cost of living adjustments, which is important. Uh, That's like Mm -hmm. with inflation being high and it's probably going to stay high for the next several years um, just by the nature of how interest rates are working and everything. So inflation is probably going to stay high for a while. Uh, So they re-got cost of living adjustments and uh, they... Combined, that will bring the top pay for production workers to forty-two sixty an hour uh, by the end of the agreement in twenty twenty-eight, and that is up from thirty-two oh five, which is current top pay. Like that's the most you can get. 
Um, so that's a pretty big increase there. Uh, and then some of the skilled trades will earn more than $50 an hour. Starting, starting pay will increase uh, as well from $18.05 an hour to $28 an hour. Uh, wow. And then, yeah, so it's, it's a good for starting and for younger, newer employees, the contracts are especially good. So yeah. for the oldest, you know, most senior workers, they got what they're the ones you see like a 25% increase. Okay. Everyone else like the younger workers who are on like a tiered system, they didn't get rid of tiers entirely, but they, they brought them much closer together. Um, so it takes like, there used to be an eight year progression to get to top pay, which like when you think about you're going from like $18 an hour all the way up to 32, it takes you eight fucking years. That sucks. Mm. Uh, the new yeah. progression is going to take about four years. And they also um, had something where the automakers were classifying people as temp workers for mm-hmm. years and years, mm-hmm. and that would not count towards their eight years of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going to the Correct. top pay. But, You're only uh, working here temporarily until you die. <laughs> 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 but I believe now the um, they've made it so that the, the maximum that they can put someone on uh, temp worker status is nine months. And then they have to, mm. you know, bring them in. And then that nine months counts towards your eight years of, uh, you know, yeah. pay raises. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, like some of the things like the, talking about the hourly wage increases is important and good. But a lot of the kinds of concessions that the companies made were actually like strategic for the union and for the workers. Right. Like it's you progress to this pay faster. There aren't tiers that are dividing the workers against each other. You get better benefits. Um, And I think I think like there's the the estimate that I've seen thrown around is they're at about eighty nine, eighty eight to eighty nine dollars per hour in terms of total compensation, including their benefits. And uh, I believe it was like a twenty two dollar an hour, like full increase from the previous contract. So, I mean, it was it's a pretty good, like that's like $22 an hour in benefits that yeah. they're getting more. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a little bit more here. Uh, many workers will see much bigger increases. Uh, it'll now take oh three years to get to top pay rather than eight. Uh, members now on the progression will receive immediate 20 to 46% uh, bumps. Um, and then da, 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 da. Um, workers at two Detroit area plants um, will now be on the same wage scale as the rest of the UAW members at Ford, meaning that wage tiers at Ford are eliminated. Um, so they're apparently they're eliminated at Ford. They're not eliminated at the other ones fully, but they're much closer together. Uh, workers at the two plants have been on a lower tier since 2007 with ranges with wages ranging from 1625 to 2250. They will see immediate raises of 53 to 88%. Um, damn. Yeah. So like there's a big deal here. Uh, one of the other things that's happening, um, Ford is also going to put an extra 10% of each worker's pay into a 401k, uh, which is a pretty big increase from the current 6.4%. So, uh, that's a lot. That's an extra, like almost 4% going to the 401k for their retirement. Um, which is also, I mean, that's no small, uh, workers will also have greater of ability to choose when they when they take their vacations. Uh, Ford will only be able to force workers to use one week of their vacation while laid off. 
uh, for the annual model changeover shutdown. Um, while we may not have won everything we wanted, we won more than most people thought was possible. Uh, Fain and Browning, uh, VP, wrote in their introduction to the Ford Highlights uh, document. Um, so then uh, they also, Stellantis caved as well. Um, one of the things that they won was they're going to reopen the Belvedere, Illinois plant, which is, you know, uh, west of where I'm at a little bit. Uh, but that plant, like, was, it was like a thousand to two thousand jobs or something. So. Um, here's the unions being job creators now where they're like going <laughs> to agree to open, open up this big fucking plant. Cause like the community died after that plant shut down, um, in 2019, I believe. So that's going to come back. I, I forget what they're going to produce. I think they're going to be producing stuff for Jeeps, but, uh, overall there, there's more in this article. This is actually a very long article. We will link it in the show notes. It's definitely worth a read through. Um, but there's some other things that I just know um, they got was uh, the ability to um, strike about plant shutdowns and things of that nature. So they couldn't do that before. Now they are able to like, if the company's threatening to shut down plants and stuff, the UAW can strike on that. Um, so they have more leverage to prevent them from, you know, kind of pulling that card. Uh, yeah. They've also gotten them to agree to their like battery productions for EVs and stuff, which was initially going to be non-union work. That's all going to be union work now. So definitely some big wins. And like I said, not all of them are going to be wage wins. A lot of them are just strategic, how the union is able to strike, you know, how members are able to like use vacation, how, how their benefits look, uh, things like that, which... Uh, in, in the end are genuinely very important. Um, one of the things they did not win, which, you know, I, I kind of didn't expect them to was the very bold ask for 32 hours work for 40 hours pay, which mm. if we remember back from the uh, very long Walter Ruther series, when the communists run the union back in the thirties, they wanted to start pushing for 30 hours work for 40 hours pay. Mm. Um, and as we pointed out, then that would have been actually probably a better direction to go. Um, and that was one of the demands of this strike. We didn't get it, but I do feel like it was kind of just calling their shots. So I'm hoping to see an even greater push for that uh, next time around, which would be incredibly important for workers around the country, um, as well as um, just increasing worker leverage because you know, when you work less hours for the same pay, you have more workers to cover that, which are all more union workers. So the union is bigger um, and it's just it's better for the overall economy and everything else. So speaking I, I of expect them, the, I didn't expect them to, to get that, but I was so pumped that they were just putting that sort of philosophy back out into that into the ether of the modern world, because we, mm, we don't I see agree. a lot of, of cries for less work very often anymore yeah no I, I think it's more great. money nobody's actually asking to work less even though we all want to work less yeah yeah no i agree one of the big things with this uh strike is that they engineered it so that the contracts would all expire on may 1st 2028 mm -hmm. uh, yeah so that's may exactly day. where i was going next international so workers I, day <laughs> Yeah, so uh, this to me, this is one of the most important developments of the strike. Like, and 
to me, this is what sets uh, the new leadership apart from like from past leadership. Like this is this is a radical like kind of demand where they're starting to be like, hey, let's get strategic as a labor movement overall. So to that, actually, um, I have the tweet thread from the UAW account. Uh, and it goes over that uh, important date and everything. So I just want to read through that real quick. Um, so it starts here. Workers everywhere are fed up with seeing Wall Street and the billionaire class making a killing while the rest of us get left further and further behind, which also like to see that very clear class consciousness being put forward mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the UAW, we know that our fight for a record contract is more than just uh, a fight against the big three. It was a bare knuckle match between the working class and, the, and corporate greed. UAW family, we won this round. But if we want to win the next one and the next one and the next one after that, then the labor movement has has to get back into fighting shape. We need workers everywhere across this country. Fight language. That's that's the kind of thing that needs to be saved for like the congressional hearings. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We need workers everywhere across this country to organize on the job. We need to organize the unorganized and we need to unions everywhere to rediscover the power of the strike. That is why we proposed an expiration date of April 30th, 2028 in our big three contracts. Part of our strength came from all three contracts, contracts expiring at once and taking on all three companies at once. But there's more than three companies that we're looking to square up against. We need to organize like we have never organized before. We aren't bashful or quiet about what our plans are. Our goal is to spend the next few years organizing auto workers across this country. The big three aren't the only auto companies making record profits. Auto workers at Toyota, Honda, Volkswagen, Hyundai, and Tesla deserve record contracts too. And we're going to do everything we can to support them in the fight to win what they deserve. And if we are truly going to turn the tide against corporate greed, then we must fight harder and smarter than we have ever fought before. So we set our contract expiration date so that we can strike on May 1st, May Day, also known as International Workers Day. Our hope is that other unions will join us in aligning their contract expiration dates with our own so that we might join join together, rise up uh, common demands and strike together. We just showed everyone from the companies to the public to even ourselves the real power of a strike. Together, we are going to fight to change the economy into one that works for the working class. So that's the full thread. Um, But the fact that they are calling on other unions to strategically Mm -hmm. align their contracts is to me is what we've needed for a while. This is, I mean, this is like the biggest change to the labor movement we've seen in decades. That right yeah. there. Yeah. It's, it's a soft ask for a general strike that rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I, I want to say also worth noting, you know, beyond just um, saying that they want to organize the uh, Japanese manufacturers and other like uh, Tesla, you know, this, strike and the gains that they've um that they've gotten from it also uh translated into um toyota raising wages for their workers just without um a union they're just like well that's the prevailing prevailing wage in the industry now we have to you know compete with it um so this has ripple effects even with non-unionized workers right now yeah so already i I forget the full list um but Already, Toyota, followed by Honda, I believe Hyundai as well, have all offered pretty big uh, raises because they're scared shitless of a unionization effort, Mm -hmm. which already we're seeing an organizing committee has been set up at the main Tesla plant in California. 
with 20,000 people there. Yeah. So they officially have an organizing committee. They are talking to people. And if we remember correctly, that's the plant, I believe, where there was like issues of racism and and awful working conditions. And like that is a plant that uh, to me personally, given knowing that they already have an organizing committee there, I I would be shocked if they didn't win a union there. Oh my God. Could you imagine if Tesla unionized? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. The catharsis I would feel from the Twitter meltdown from Elon Musk would be. I almost wonder if he would just straight up close it down. Yeah, he probably would. He'd do something. That's what he does. He just, yeah, he does crazy shit for him. The only option is the nuclear option. So yeah, no, it's great though, that we've seen all this, this resurgence of militant labor recently. And it's, that language has been missing for decades upon decades. And the fact that it's now coming back and we have this growing labor movement and now that they're getting organized across industries, that could be the tipping point for making the bosses scared again. I mean, they that is the goal, is that capital should be afraid of their workers. And that I think we are finally moving in that direction again. They've had it too easy for too long. I agree. And I mean, it's been great. Yeah. Watching Sean Fain stand up there in an Eat the Rich shirt, talking about how he's <laughs> yeah. going after it. He's like, I'm going to unionize all these other plants, too. I'm like, oh, this is, I love it. Give me more. <laughs> yeah. He's quoting That's Malcolm X and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> um, well, I was going to say, we, we don't really have to wait for uh, Elon Musk to melt down because he's uh, threatening um, to uh, break a union right now in Sweden um, that's going oh, on. Yes. So. <laughs> so uh, right now, uh, the headline is Swedish dock workers are refusing to unload Teslas at ports in broad boycott move. Um, so the way this started is the, the way things work in Sweden is basically, I think they have like 90% union representation and they don't have like hardly any like labor regulations that are like laws. It's all, um, you know, contracts with um, usually very large industrial unions and the various employers. So they say, you know, they set working conditions, hours, uh, pay and everything. And Tesla has refused to sign any sort of contract with the mechanics union, uh, which is um, part of a larger um, industrial union. Something that is illegal in the U.S., uh, they have um, sympathy strikes with other uh, sectors. So like, uh, the janitors are not cleaning, um, the, the showrooms for Tesla. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, w- what else? Uh, electricians, uh, other workers are just refusing to work with Tesla right now. Um, postal workers are saying that they're not going to deliver mail to their offices. I like um, that. That's awesome. I love that Elon Musk, a South African, just rolls up into other countries like, bitch, this is America and I can do what I want. And they're like, you're in Sweden or Germany or whatever. Like, he's, he's done this with, with like employees of Twitter in Europe and you know, now yeah. it's happening with, with Tesla. Just, he universally acts in Europe like he's in America. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so, I mean, we'll see where this goes. This is still ongoing as of time of recording. Um, you know, if we uh, get any updates we'll put that in the show notes um but yeah it's a it's kind of a, a on the brink right now because i mean if you know if tesla really wants to like they could just stop operating in sweden 
that would be the nuclear option. Yeah, they might do. I don't think that's a big market, if I'm being honest. I I think it is a fairly big market because they have pretty good um, subsidies for electric cars. Um, Mm. So a lot of people buy Teslas there. That might have been Norway that I'm thinking of. But, you know, like since they have a lot of hydro hydroelectric uh, dams and uh, power, they, um, you know, they've tried to electrify as much of the country as possible, including cars. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, at least the uh, the unions in Sweden don't don't want to back down. So uh, it's going to be quite the showdown. Cool shit. Fuck it. Fuck Elon Musk. <laughs> the usual as position always. of this show. Yeah, as always, <laughs> fuck Elon Musk and everything he does. Regardless of what the conversation was about previously. <laughs> <Yeah>. fuck Elon. <laughs> you know, I, it's always going to throw in. Yeah, I keep thinking one of these days we'll have a news story we where we don't mention him, but he keeps doing such outrageous bullshit that we just have to mention it. So, well, yeah, I feel mm-hmm. like since well, let's give a quick mention to a couple of the Cybertruck awful failings. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> there was a video that came out of it trying to go up a, a slight incline and fucking really sucking because uh, the thing weighs nine thousand pounds. So like, wait, wait, like geez, actually nine thousand. Yeah, it weighs nine thousand pounds, and it this is it, an it, accurate number right now yeah legitimately i it is okay it is it is i think it's about 4.5 tons oh my god wow that is about nine thousand pounds yeah 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 math checks out that's a chunky boy um it's incredibly heavy which is really bad for a vehicle that's supposed to be able to go off-road um and a video emerged of it trying to go up a hill and it fucking i mean you could watch there's people like who show old crvs and ford rangers and shit going up the exact same hill and they do just fine and this thing is struggling i was like yo this is like i i'm surprised like that's embarrassing to to me i'm like okay this is this video existing is how i know that like elon musk does not have assassins working for him because like this video would like you'd have to kill somebody over this if you had assassins (laughs) yeah there's no way you'd allow this to get out so yeah. Uh, so there was that. Then, uh, Brian, I see there was an, uh, a story here about the not exactly bulletproof nature of the Cybertruck. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> he when he was first talking about how it was going to be bulletproof, he said it would um, take, a, I, I think, a nine millimeter round. And uh, apparently their recent testing was with a, a 45 caliber um uh, you know, handgun round, which is a lot more blunt and low velocity. So hmm. that nine millimeter would probably pierce right through the bodywork because it's a much sharper shape. It goes faster. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he's kind of walking back the claims. I mean, it will stop as some usual. bullets as usual, but, but not exactly what he said, you know, several years ago. Mm. Um, oh, fair enough. Bow and arrows against it or something. <laughs> oh, I did see that. I thought that was so absurd. I was like, they're like, oh, look, this arrow Just doesn't go case. through it. I was like, I don't think it ever would have anyway. Like, what? yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure my car is arrow proof. Like it's metal. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't think you're much in danger of Genghis Khan coming out of your car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I figured we could handle that story real quick. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's about all we have time for today as far as news stories. But uh, we'll keep you all updated on uh, the developments in the future. Um, 
and we'll have some some not uh elon musk stories i promise no we won't but uh (laughs) (laughs) thanks again jt for joining us on this one and um go ahead and uh plug your stuff again uh before we bounce here sure yeah thank you for having me uh my name's jt chapman you can find me on twitter i think it's at underscore jt chapman um x.com excuse me uh, <laughs> i'm on youtube as a as first thought second thought and the deprogram you can find the deprogram wherever you listen to podcasts that's me in a nutshell yeah. and, Thanks, boys. and go uh pay him money on patreon also oh yes please do that <laughs> yeah i'll take your money <laughs> sure <laughs> and uh connor what are what are our, all our uh social media stuff so our, our social media stuff, the ones that I'm sort of active on, uh, would be mostly Instagram and Twitter. You can find us by searching cars and comrades all spelled out. Um, and, uh, go ahead and rate and I don't know, give our, give our podcast five stars and whatever your podcast app is and all of that good stuff. Uh, I think we have a Facebook too, which Bryant posts on once in a while. Yeah. Like every month or so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not. You can comment on episodes on Spotify now, so jump oh, in the comments. There you go. If you you're listening to this oh. on Spotify and and talk shit, hell yeah. Oh, that's but we like talk we talk shit fire. back. <laughs> yeah, we'll <laughs> talk shit back for sure. You think you hard? Want to talk shit? Pick up the phone. All right. Well, um, thanks everyone, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. All right. Yeah. Take it Bye. easy. Bye. We gon' make you pay five to five bits. We make you pay five to water bits. We gon' fight riches and not riches, but we gon' fight the solidarity. We said we're not gonna fight capitalism with black capitalism, but we gon' fight the socialism. Amazingly, or not so amazingly, Cuba's crime rate is one of the lowest in the entire hemispheres. Oddly enough, it seems that when people have their basic human needs met, they're less likely to commit crimes. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. The free market mythology, it argues that the most ruthless, selfish, opportunistic, greedy, calculating plunderers, applying the most heartless measures in cold-blooded pursuit of corporate interest and wealth accumulation, will produce the best results for all of us. Through something called the invisible hand. (laughs) What are you smiling about? Dude, I almost had you.